0: Welcome to The Professional Confessional, how the biggest mistakes we've ever made fundamentally changed our work, our careers, and our approach forever. Gain wisdom and perspective through these audio absolutions. Today's guest is Steve Tier, a serial entrepreneur whose core mistake killed his career momentum, corrupted his personal morals, and plunged him into homelessness before he could pick up the pieces. But I'll let him tell you more about it.
1: When I'm asked to guest lecture at Washington State University, this is what they want me to talk about usually, about how knowing who you are is very important to how you're going to interact with other people and the business decisions you make and how to compensate for your weaknesses, that sort of thing.
0: Okay. So what happened before you knew who you were?
1: Oh my gosh, disaster. In the early days, I didn't realize why I was so angry all the time. And Obviously, a lot of guys who are entrepreneurs, the reason they're doing it is uh, their motivation frequently is to prove the old man wrong. They want <laughs> to prove to their dad that all the things that he said about them wasn't true and that was my case my father had said that i would never amount to anything and that you think you're so smart you don't know anything and life is going to chew you up and spit you out so that was a fire in the belly and it's that way for a lot of entrepreneurs i was so into dominion i wanted to be the best at whatever so i was so i became obsessive compulsive a workaholic to try and prove that i had worth and of course, so that's where knowing who we are comes into play. I probably would have been a better person, a better businessman. I still had success at that time, but I was too willing to do anything to succeed. And that that would include crimes at that point.
0: Talk about that. What was the worst example, uh, the most extreme example of the willing to do anything because you didn't realize that part of your personality?
1: Oh my gosh. The worst thing for me was i actually embezzled money from a company that the three of us who started business i kept track of it and i paid back but i want compromise in my morality or my value system that i was willing to go there to succeed to do that first of all we were bootstrapping and i found a way to get the parts we needed without them knowing. They had given me basically that control over inventory. What what it was, at the time, memory chips were extremely rare and expensive. We'd have to buy them on the black market. I had written a contract so that if we rejected any part, they had to replace it, the vendors. In other words, it wasn't uh, built on the manufacturer's spec, but on our spec. If it didn't meet our specification, we could reject it and they would replace it. Those replacement parts, when they'd come back, I'd just pocket them, and that built up over time. So it wasn't a lot of money, but it was enough that I had guilt about it, and I kept track of it. It was probably maybe $10,000 in parts total. But the thing was, I was willing to compromise myself because I was so driven for success. I wouldn't do that today. No way. I intended to pay back. And so I eventually did to the president of that company. But at that time, time we were very successful. And what he actually took in trade for the money was an instrument that we built, because they had a customer that wanted our instrument. And so he just took a a piece of our gear. He didn't even take cash. It was weird. But yeah, a lot of compromises were done there in the name of success. I was very successful at this manufacturing business. This would be in um, a long time ago, in the early 80s. And we were making money hand over fist. And I had worked really hard. I had worked myself to the bone, essentially. And I cashed out for cash value in the company, which was... Fine. But afterwards, I didn't have anywhere really to go, and I just collapsed. I was just exhausted. So I was a breakdown. I didn't know who I was at that time. I was in real conflict. So my life went to pieces after that. I ended up divorced. I tried to start another business. It didn't work. I think I was under too much stress was part of the problem. Before long, I was pretty much broke and uh, homeless. So that's how far down I went. So how do you then how do you come back? Fortunately, I was able to get some work, but you have to, you start with a self-examination. I was in Utah at the time. I went to the state unemployment people and asked if, you know, I could get some kind of retraining or something. And so they said, well, let's do testing on you and find out a vocational test and see what your aptitudes and interests. And so part of that test was a Myers-Briggs test, which is the 16 personalities, essentially. I found out that I was really not a killer executive, but I was more of an artist or a poet, that some of the jobs that I would have been good at were like flower arranging. So it wasn't very reassuring.
0: Getting find out that you should be teaching the underwater basket weaving class.
1: <laughs> yes, right. So it was, I was like, holy cow, what a wake-up call. I did learn, though, that my personality type did make for a good entrepreneur and that because I have a big imagination and good intuition, that had benefits, especially in marketing. So I learned that. But another part of the test also was an IQ test. They gave me the test and I had a great, I had a lot of fun with that part of the test and I didn't even know it until I went into the office there. They said, we got your results. I said, okay, what, what does it tell you? He says, you can do anything you want. I said, no. what? That's not very helpful. Right. I came in there to figure out where I, you can do anything you want. What do you mean by that? They said, we've never had anybody come in here with an IQ as high as yours. I said, well, what was it? And he said, it was 138. It means you're in the 98 percentile. And I was like, what? I'm not special. My dad told me I would never amount to anything. It's all, all of those tapes in our heads that we play from our childhood, they were all wrong. And so then I started studying about intelligent people. And I Explained so many things. Oh my gosh! Then I was finally able to get some bearing of where I ought to go. Where you go? There's two things that intelligent people need to work on. It's either a a problem that's huge would take three lifetimes, like cancer or disease or hunger or war or something like that, to try and resolve those kind of big issues, or a very specialized, complex job where you have you use all of your. uh, Talents—it's multifaceted type of thing, so you never get bored. In either of those situations, you'll never get bored. And and generally, um, intelligent people are going to get bored. In fact, I had even gotten bored at uh, the company that I built because I had everything running so smoothly. I just sat in my office. I didn't have anything to do. Mostly, the problems were people problems and cash flow. Those are not creative. Mm-hmm. For me, they weren't creative. And I wanted to be creative. So I realized those things at that time because of the crisis that had come upon me. I had to go through that failure to really learn who I was Mm -hmm. and my potential. Your personality may drift a little bit, but... And values can change, obviously, with circumstance. Like, for example, I compromised my values at one point, but and that changes over your lifetime. So it's like fun to take every now and again to see where you're at. One of mine that was really high was creativity. Forever,
0: the idea that your values can change is really relevant, I think, especially because my sister right now is trying to decide what she wants to do with her life. After she gets married, she's decided to put her job search on hold, but she's been wrestling. She's good at several different things, but should she try Mm -hmm. for something where she has fun doing what she's doing, but she doesn't really care about the company? Or does she want to work for the company and do what she's good at and might not find fulfillment in that, but rather than?
1: I have an answer for that. The thing is, once you know who you are and what your gifts are, what you do is you find a company that has the values and maybe the stability or whatever it is you're looking for. Maybe it's adventure. I don't know. And then you say, how do I apply my gifts to solve their problems so that I can be happy there? You can't go out and just say, here's my gifts. Anybody want to buy? No, nobody wants to buy that. But if you go to a company and you see their problems and you say, I can apply my gifts in a way to solve their problem. They'll probably make a job for you. In fact, I never had a job interview. In my life. And a lot of people are blown away when I tell them that. But what happens is I would go into a company and I would see problems and I'd say, I can solve that for you. And they'd go, can you? Wow, great. Come on. And they say, right now we don't have any money to pay you. So we'll give you equity or we'll put you on hourly or whatever. And then I end up being the vice president of marketing. That sounds like braggadocio, but my point is that I I found the secret to find work is you go in and you say I can solve that problem and it worked and that it satisfied my needs too for what I wanted as far as creativity went and that you
0: were able to form your own solution to a problem rather than trying to fulfill someone else's solution or i yeah that makes yeah. sense
1: i had a friend in high school he was on the football team and we both played in the orchestra together mm-hmm. and we played string bass and i said what position do you play on the football team and this guy was solid muscle he says i'm the monster man said, monster <laughs> man What's a monster, man? He says, I'm the guy on the field. I have permission to do whatever is necessary to make things work. And I said, seriously? He said, yeah, I can go anywhere I need to go, intercept a pass or block somebody or do whatever. In other words, everybody else had assigned roles, but he could do whatever. And I thought to myself, that's a great concept, a monster man. We have a problem. You you, you solve it. You you go, you do it the way you want. And so if you can know what those are, you can play to your strengths and you can look at what your weaknesses are and try and compensate with, hopefully by surrounding yourself with people who are actually the opposite of you, who don't think like you or have values that compensate for your weaknesses. So you can have kind of your uh, board of advisors who are your friends. And they are people who are, you need people who are mentors. You need people who are rivals and you need people who are peers. Right now we're talking peer to peer, but we need those rivals too. They push us, a competitor or somebody that pushes us that thinks, doesn't think like we do, wants to argue with us. We need them. We need them to make things better.
0: So. Steve's big mistake was his lack of awareness of his own personality and how it could compromise his values to the point where he embezzled computer parts from his company's supplies. Even after repaying the theft, Steve had to hit rock-bottom homelessness before he locked into a greater understanding of his innate personality traits and how they could influence his professional behaviors and personal values. For compensate, Steve suggests several strategies, the first of which is to actively study your own personality type and valued priorities. Then you should, if possible, pursue work which aligns with your own values while balancing out your personality's weaknesses. For example, Steve proactively surrounds himself with colleagues and friends whose strengths compensate his weaknesses of egotism and ruthlessness while aligning on core values to keep to the straight and narrow. He also pursues work where he can solve complex issues with free reign and creativity as a company's monster man rather than maintenance issues like ongoing responsibilities and repetitive projects, or even just plain people problems. Today, Steve owns or contributes towards several companies and different projects, including a killer website page speed consultancy, which is, oddly enough, how he and I met. He also pursues his own passion projects off the clock, including an audio murder mystery in 10 parts, which I still need to listen to and I swear I will. You can find out more about his work at pc-podcast.com slash Steve. That's S-T-E-V-E-T. And you can find this and other episodes of the Professional Confessional Podcast at pc-podcast.com or on your preferred podcasting platform of choice. Do you want to come on and share your biggest professional mistake? Head to pc-podcast.com slash be our guest to schedule your professional confessional. Again, that's pc-podcast.com slash be our guest. In the meantime, please share this episode with someone you think needs to hear this today. That's all for this professional confessional. I'm Ashley Stryker. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you'll join us next time. Talk soon. Bye. Uh-huh.